over and over again in the Bible, we see situations where the righteous are vexed and can be tempted to be discouraged when it seems like the unrighteous and ungodly are getting away with murder. Meantime, the righteous suffer. But that is only temporary. Coming up, the doom of the wicked and the heritage of the righteous. Next on Daily in Christ. Welcome once again to the Daily in Christ podcast. I'm Mark Van Oos. Well, we sure live in a day where it seems like the godless, unrighteous, and wicked are taking control. Meanwhile, the righteous are being falsely accused and suffer. It can seem like justice is far off while the ungodly prevail. But remember, that is only temporary. God is King. He is King of Kings and Lord of Lords and, yes, President of Presidents. There will be no one, dear friend, who will vote him out of office. There will be no one who will commit election fraud and remove him from office. No, he is King. He is Lord. He is God. And he reigns. Hallelujah. We are members of his unshakable kingdom. You know, in the midst of the current political crisis here in America, I have been praying to God, who is the great high judge, that God's justice would prevail. I've been saying to the Lord many times, Lord, you see through everything. You know the truth. You know what has been going on. And Father, I pray for your justice. And you know, God's justice is perfect. We're continuing in our series, God's Prescription When Life Isn't Fair. And if you're vexed and frustrated seeing the wicked wrongly taking control, whether in your country or in your personal life, I want you to know that God has the perfect prescription for you and me. And it's found in two powerful psalms, Psalm 37 and Psalm 73. I call this the 3773 prescription. There have been many times in my life where I have seen the unrighteous seemingly prevail and take over. And I have been frustrated in my soul, vexed, I've even been tempted to fret. And then I spend time, directed by the Lord, meditating on God's prescription when life isn't fair. Psalm 73 and Psalm 37. And the Lord has set everything right. Let me take a moment, dear friend, and counsel you, dear godly believer. I know that many, especially in America at this time, are really frustrated. It seems like there's no justice. It seems like the righteous are being persecuted. Their voices are being censored and silenced. 
but I want you to, to do something. God has directed me to do this. Turn off all the news, the political commentators, Facebook, Twitter, all of it. Turn it all off and find a quiet place with God. The psalmist did that. And in Psalm 91, he just says this, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him I will trust. Open your Bible in that secret place and ask God to reveal Himself and His ways to you. I want to guarantee He surely will. You know, I've been doing that recently, and my, how God has ministered to my weary, confused, frustrated, and vexed soul. Remember what the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 12. It says this, there is none righteous. No, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. Romans 3, 10 to 12. All of us, before Christ and before being born again, were, as it says in Ephesians chapter 2, dead in trespasses and sins, in which we once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. I want to pause right there. You realize what that spirit is. That spirit working in the sons of disobedience is Satan, identified here in Ephesians 2.2 2, as the prince of the power of the air, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, listen to this, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Did you catch that? By nature, children of wrath. The reason why the ungodly are ungodly, the reason why the unrighteous are unrighteous, the reason why the wicked are wicked is they, like everyone born into first Adam, are by nature children of wrath. It's not so much that they're doing this thing wrong and doing that thing wrong or having this evil thought or that evil thought. It goes much deeper and worse than that. Oh, the real problem is they are by nature a sinner and they are children of wrath. None of us deserve good. That is why we must be born again. Jesus said in John chapter 3, he had a Pharisee, a very religious man who came in, and Jesus told him, you must be born again. That which is flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. 
And then John 3, 16, we know it so well, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe on him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And then it says in John 3, 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him, Jesus, is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, Jesus continues, that the light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For Everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. Look, we must be born again. Because by nature coming into this world through Satan, we have a sinner's nature, and we are by nature children of wrath, even as the others. And so our prayer is for those that are doing the wickedness, that are doing the wrong. Oh God, we pray for the gospel to go forth. We pray that people would be saved. And listen to this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, after those three horrific verses talking about following this course of this world, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit Satan who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Verse 4, but God. Oh, Aren't you glad that God steps in, that God is good? When all is dark, when all seems unfair, when all seems unrighteousness, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, listen, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Now, do you notice there in verse 4, Ephesians 2, 4, that rich mercy of God given to the guilty. Remember, who is it? that needs mercy. Guilty people need mercy. The innocent don't need mercy. Guilty people do. And God is rich in mercy. Aren't you glad? Because our guilt is great. Because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses. I can't emphasize this enough. All of us who have been through the new birth in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have a dateline, a divide in our lives, a B.C. divide, an A.D. divide. And I'm not talking about a historical divide through the 
world timeline. I'm talking about our personal timeline before Christ when we were dead in trespasses and sins with that nature of the devil. And then afterwards when we were born again. So when we go through these verses in Psalm 37, please look at them through the lens of the new covenant, the lens of what we learn later on in the Bible in Ephesians chapter 2, for instance, or particularly in Romans uh, chapters 1 through 8. We have to bear in mind when thinking about the ungodly and the unrighteous and the wicked, we have to pray that the gospel would go forth. Now is the time to preach the gospel. And that's not just for ministers and preachers. That's for all of us. Make disciples. It's the work of the kingdom. Pray that the gospel would go forth now in this dark time. Pray that they would repent change their minds from being against God in his ways, and then turning in full faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. They must be born again. Now, with that important backdrop that brings in the larger context of the Scripture, particularly what Christ has accomplished at the cross and the new covenant, keep that in mind as we go through these verses Uh, When we talk about the doom of the wicked and the heritage of the righteous, and remember what Psalm 37 is dealing with. Early on, the verses were very clear about not fretting when we see the wicked getting away with murder. Why? Because God is just. God says in verse 2 of Psalm 37, they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Do you know that the wicked are compared like grass? How easy is it to cut grass? Well, it's real easy. You could cut grass with a pair of scissors. Meanwhile, the righteous are described as oaks, oaks of righteousness. How easy is it to cut down an oak? Well, that's real hard. That's what God is saying. And so, While we're in a time and a space where it seems like the ungodly and the unrighteous and the wicked are taking over and getting away with murder, remember things from God's perspective, please, in this prescription when life isn't fair, Psalms 37. Now we're in verse 12, and it says this, the wicked plots against the just and gnashes his teeth at him. You know, such a threat the wicked are to us. But the wicked are no threat at all to God. Oh, it's so easy to see a situation right in front of our face and it seems bigger than life. It seems bigger than God. But look, no, no, no. God is infinitely greater. I want to say something. This is God's universe. The wicked and the righteous exist not in the devil's universe, but in God's universe. And this universe that God created works God's way, according to his laws. You know, you may have a person who says, oh, don't shove that law of gravity down my throat. I don't believe in the law of gravity. I refuse to. I'm going to do my own thing. And then they jump off a cliff and flap their arms. What happens? Well, whether or not they believe in 
The law of gravity, they exist in God's universe and there is gravity and that's why they will fall splat to the ground. Remember that, please. Remember that we exist in God's universe. God is good, God is holy, and God is righteous. Oh, it seems like a person is getting away with it right now, but not for long. Why? Because this is God's universe. It runs his way, not my way. The wicked plots against the just and gnashes his teeth at him. Look at what it says in verse 13. The Lord laughs at him. Would you believe it? I talked about this last time. I heard God laughing. Why is God laughing? It says in verse 13, for he sees that his day is coming. You see, the Lord is laughing because God sees the whole picture. Look, God is not captive to time. He is the eternal God. And when he sees things, he sees an eternal now. He sees the past and the present and the future all together. That's the way he is. He created time. He stands beyond time. The Lord laughs because at the moment in the now that we see, God also sees a bit down the road where it all catches up to them. Because this is God's universe. God sees nothing. Listen, nothing gets past the Lord. The Lord sees that the wicked's day is certainly coming. Nothing, listen, friend, nothing will stop the justice of God. God's day of vengeance will surely come. That's all over the scripture. There will come a great day of of judgment. It's prophesied by Isaiah, Ezekiel, and Zephaniah. And then, of course, there's a great uh, prophecy in Revelation 6, 17, where it says, for the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? And that's speaking in a future time in that great day of judgment. You know, I believe also here in Psalm 13, where God's laughing at the wicked because he sees his day is coming. It refers to God's soon judgment as well. Now, there is the great day of judgment, which will happen at the end of the age, but that does not mean that justice is not carried out right in our time space. Again, I remind you, please, This is God's universe. It works his way. And if a person is going to be foolish and rebellious against God, there are consequences to that. You know, it's like a foolish person crossing a busy highway without looking both ways. They're going to get hit. Is it because God is judging them? No. It's because this is operating under God's universe with his laws And that person is being a fool. They're being foolish. Think of all the despots of history. Hitler, uh, Genghis Khan, Joseph Stalin, Mao Zedong. All of them, where are they today? Gone. And the tyranny and destruction that went with them. There is indeed the intervention of God's 
holy justice that no one can escape. No one. And more often than not, it happens to them quickly, without warning, over and over again in the Bible, not just in Psalm 37 and 73, but all over the Bible, from Genesis all the way through the Revelation, we see justice happening, and the wicked are suddenly cut down without warning. And I know when we're in the midst of a very unfair and unjust situation, whether it would be a national crisis like we're facing now or a situation of a personal injustice that's been done against us or a loved one, we may be saying, but why doesn't that day of God's justice come now? You may be crying out, they're getting away with murder. They're getting away with evil. I'm going to say something. A factor in this, and, I, and I, I don't have it all figured out, but a part of it is the mercy of God. You see, there's another reference to God laughing at the wicked, and we find this over in Proverbs 126, and it says this, God is speaking. He says, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your terror comes. Now, Look at the context of Proverbs 126. Watch how patiently God is as he calls the wicked to repent and turn to him. He, you know, he's the God of all wisdom. And here in Proverbs chapter 1, uh, God is personified as wisdom. And it says this, wisdom calls Aloud outside, she raises her voice in the open squares. She cries out in the chief concourses, at the openings of the gates in the city. She speaks her words. I'm going to tell you, friend, God is speaking. He is speaking his wisdom. He is speaking his righteousness. You cannot silence God. And God says this, How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Now, where it says, how long, you simple ones, the idea in the Hebrew is someone who is open to evil. They're lacking wisdom and prudence. They're falling for evil. God continues and says, turn at my rebuke. Surely I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you because I have called and you have refused. I have stretched out my hand and no one regarded because you disdained all my counsel and would have none of my rebuke. Do you see how God is merciful? He is reaching the wicked, trying to break through their foolishness. And people stubbornly refuse to turn from their wicked way and turn to God. God says in verse 26, which is the one that we raised here, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your terror comes, when your terror comes like a storm and your destruction comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you. Again, that's in Psalm, rather Proverbs chapter 1, verses 22 through 27. Strong words, powerful words. 
And remember what we're seeing here in this portion of back to Psalm 37, now in verse 14. The calamity of the wicked, the doom of the wicked, and the heritage of the righteous. This is interleaved back and forth through these verses in Psalm 37. And now here's verse 14 that says, The wicked have drawn the sword and have bent their bow to cast down the needy and the poor, to slay those who are of upright conduct. You know, the wicked are ready to fire their weapons to slay the righteous. One thing you will see is that the wicked plot and scheme against the righteous because they are following Satan. He is the great plotter and schemer. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6 that we war not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, spiritual forces in high places. So Satan is behind it all. We have to keep that in mind. It says the wicked have drawn the sword and bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy to slay those who are of upright conduct. But look what happens. Verse 15, their sword shall enter their own hearts and their bows shall be broken. You see, their own weapons will turn against them like boomerangs. The weapons of the wicked, which they intend to use to destroy the righteous, turn against the wicked. You know, the other day I was listening to a Bible reading on air, and they were reading in the book of Esther, which, by the way, is a really good book to be reading right now. And here is the righteous man Mordecai, who is believed to be the uncle of Queen Esther. And he's being terribly persecuted by a horrible, wicked man by the name of Haman. And Haman actually has gallows built to hang Mordecai, 75 feet tall. The only reason why you build gallows that tall is because you want everybody to see this person hang. But, and read it for yourself in the book of Esther, I don't have time to go through it now, because of the, the wickedness of Haman is exposed. And Haman himself ends up hanging from the gallows he had built to slay righteous Mordecai. Again, that's in the book of Esther. That's the way it is. One thing you will see, like I said, is the wicked plot and scheme. They're following Satan, but everything turns against them. Their own sword enters their own heart. Their bows will be broken. Their weapons are turned against them. The weapons of the wicked, which they intend to use to destroy the righteous, turn against them. Now, here's the contrast as we continue on in Psalm 37 between the wicked, what happens to the wicked, and what happens to the righteous. Verse 16, a little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. In Proverbs 16, 8, we read, Better is a little with righteousness than vast revenues without justice. I guess you could call that blood money, right? When, when someone has gotten money unjustly through unjust gain, it's like blood money. Psalm 37, verse 1, admonishes the righteous not to be envious of the workers of inequity. 
Now, why would the righteous be tempted to be envious of the wicked? Well, in Psalm 73, verse 2, and that's the second part of our prescription when life isn't fair, Psalm 73. But in verse 2, it says this. It gives some insight. When I saw the prosperity of the wicked... You see, there is in this temporary space and time when it seems like the wicked are getting away with murder, they're pulling in all the money um, while the righteous struggle to make ends meet, where the wicked are getting all the accolades of the media, pop culture, and social media. We can be envious of this. We can be tempted as the psalmist in Psalm 73 that goes, well, then why am I even bothering walking righteously? I'm being persecuted all the time. We can become envious of this. But dear friend, remember, this is temporary. Their day of calamity will surely come. And remember what I said before, what the Bible teaches, that day of calamity comes swiftly and they're cut down like grass. Verse 17, here again is another sharp contrast between the wicked and the righteous. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. Did you hear that? The arms of the wicked shall be broken. Not maybe, but shall be broken. But the Lord upholds the righteous. You see, God breaks the arms of the wicked. And you realize that arms in the Bible are a a symbol of strength. And, And remember that arms are used to wield weapons and fight, but broken arms cannot hold weapons and fight. That means that the wicked are made defenseless by God himself. And meanwhile, God upholds the righteous. He's carrying us through. Praise the Lord on his infinite, everlasting, strong arms. Verse 18, the Lord knows the days of the upright and their inheritance shall be forever. Now, do you see this emerging picture that's developing here in Psalm 37? And we'll see it also in Psalm 73. There's a temporary point in time where it seems like the wicked are getting away with things and they're even prospering, but not for long. And their existence is fleeting. They're cut down. They wither like the green herb. Meanwhile, the Lord knows the days of the upright and their inheritance, listen to this, shall be forever. God knows the days of the upright. You know, it may seem for the moment that the wicked are getting away with murder, but Dear believer, God sees you. You are his precious child. Your days are in his hands, not someone else's, not the wicked's, not the unrighteous, not the ungodly. Believer, your destiny is blessed of God. Not so for the wicked. Theirs is a soon coming day of calamity if they don't repent and turn to God. The Bible says of the righteous and the upright, their inheritance shall be forever. No one can take away your forever inheritance that you got from God. 
this idea of being an inheritance means you're a rightful heir. Over in Romans chapter 8, verse 17, it says that the believer, those in Christ, are joint heirs with Christ. Everything that Jesus has and enjoys and is blessed with in terms of a rich inheritance are no less for the believer. We are joint heirs with Christ. And dear friend, that inheritance lasts forever. Meanwhile, the wicked are cut off. Verse 19 has these encouraging words, they shall not be ashamed in the evil time. In the the days of famine, they shall be satisfied. That's the, the heritage of the righteous. They will not be ashamed in the evil time. And the evil time speaks of a time when evil is prevailing as in our current day. But even then, though they shame us, they lie about us and do all manner of wrong against us, we are not ashamed. Why? Because God is our vindicator. We are the righteous by his grace. And then it says, in the days of famine, they shall be satisfied. Famine is a time that speaks of a lack of rain and no crop, but also economic distress. Any situation where people do not have the basic necessities of life, that's famine. It says they shall be satisfied in the day of famine. Satisfied. God himself is our rich provider. And not just enough to get by but full and satisfied with his abundance. You remember what it says over in uh, Psalm 23? I love this verse. I'm going to go ahead and uh, look this up right now. It says this of the Lord, Psalm 23, verse 5, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now, the Hebrew for table literally means a banqueting table. Imagine that. God is preparing his banqueting table for you right in the presence of your enemies. That's the way our God is. He is our rich provider. He is the one who satisfies and takes care of us even in the time of evil. Verse 20 says this, But the wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord, like the splendor of the meadows, shall vanish. Into smoke they shall vanish away. Do you notice the shalls? Do you hear the certainty of the destiny of the wicked? They shall perish. They shall vanish. Into smoke they shall vanish away. Again, these are pictures, both the splendor of a meadow. You think of a meadow, right, with all of its uh, greenery and wildflowers and so forth. But that's a temporary thing. You get the cold of winter that comes in, and that's all gone. And that's the way it is, the picture of the wicked. For now, it looks like they're doing well. They're prospering. They're getting all the talk shows, all the pop culture, all of the resources. They're doing so great. They're flourishing, and then they're gone. The wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord, like the splendor of the meadows, shall vanish. And then what a picture. Into smoke. They shall vanish away. 
And then in verse 21, it says this, the wicked borrows and does not repay, but the righteous shows mercy and gives. The wicked are not blessed of God. They run out of money and they need to borrow from others. They're bound by debt. Meanwhile, the righteous are blessed of God, not because they're so good, but because they have trusted in the goodness and the, listen, grace of God. And they are not debtors. They are actually givers. They are not binding others in debt, but they are showing mercy. Dear friend, I want to, again, admonish you to spend time Turn it all off. Turn off the news. Turn off the political commentary. Turn off Facebook. Turn off Twitter. All this stuff, this junk from the world. And friends, it's junk. Okay? There's no godly stuff in there. I mean, whether you your thing is, you know, conservative perspective or liberal perspective, look, if they leave out God, the devil's laughing. Look, the devil is just as happy putting on a Republican hat and playing Republican for a while, conservative for a while, and donning another hat and playing, you know, Democrat or liberal for a while, just as long as you keep God out of the picture. We have got to seek God. We have to find that secret place. We need to shut off all of that and turn on that sweet, sweet place in the presence of God. You know, One of my dearest friends is also my pastor. He is a very precious brother. His name is Chet. And we have been uh, brothers in the Lord in a relationship where we encourage one another, we challenge one another, um, we hold each other lovingly accountable. He is just very, very dear in my life. And the Lord has led the both of us just to shut it all off. And uh, yesterday I was... Uh, just having time in the presence of the Lord on a Saturday morning. And uh, Chet gave me a call. And I said, you, Chet, you won't believe how God is ministering to my heart, how he's speaking. I'm typing this stuff up so I don't forget it. And he was saying that God was doing the same thing. God was encouraging him and strengthening him. And both he and I are dealing with situations in our personal lives that are very uh, challenging and uh, even frightening. But in the presence of God, we find strength, we find encouragement, and we get our perspective rebooted to God's eternal perspective. And that's a good thing. I'm so grateful uh, for the Lord. I'm so grateful for the body of Christ. I was in church this morning and looking out over the faces of of our uh, little church family, and I was so grateful for every single one of them. Here we are in a pandemic, and they're there together. And God is so good, isn't he? You know, my friend, this is not the only time where it just seems like the devil's taken over. There have been other times in human history, even worse. But God is so faithful, and he speaks to us. Make space for God in your life. And I want to encourage you to do it early in the day, first thing in the day, if at all possible, you say, well, why? Because I'm going to tell you that as your day is anything like mine, it's there's a pile on of responsibilities, of things that grab our attention. I don't see how anybody can go into their day without having that time 
seeking God first at the beginning of the day. You know, George Mueller, that godly man who had a ministry of providing shelter and food and sustenance for thousands of orphans in Bristol, England, said that he made it his business to make his soul, to get his soul happy in the Lord at the beginning of the day. Man, if a guy with that much uh, responsibility had to do that, how much more you and I. So please do that, friend. And let me also say that uh, God is speaking. For those who take the time to seek him, he is speaking. He's not silent. Uh, He may speak in a still small voice. That's why we have to shut off all that other junk. But he is speaking. And I believe, not just in the situation we've had here in America uh, over the last couple of months, um, around the, surrounding the election crisis and everything that's involved with that. Uh, but, but even the pandemic around the world, it has caused the people of God to get down on their knees and pray. Thank God for that. It is not good for the devil when the people of God get down on their knees and pray. That's not good for Satan at all. Man, talk about a weapon. And as I said earlier, the weapons of our warfare, as it says in Ephesians chapter 6, are not carnal. In verse 12, it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of this of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness, in the heavenly places. Friend, ultimately, the battle and the problem is not with another human being. Ultimately, behind that person is Satan operating. He is the real enemy, not our fellow man. And so we have to uh, go into this thing, as it says, uh, to take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Praise the Lord. And then that whole section of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 6 starts in verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Let's take some time and pray. Dear Father, I thank you that we exist in your universe. This universe works your way. It doesn't work the way of the wicked or the unrighteous or the ungodly. It works your way. And I'm so grateful for that, Lord. You set this whole thing up. And Father, we know that we're in a day of great deception when Satan, the great liar, the great deceiver, is deceiving many. But I thank you, Lord, that you, by your truth, through the word and through the spirit, can break through. We pray for a spiritual breakthrough for There are many, Lord, that I know that are burdened over loved ones who are walking wayward and confused, deceived by Satan. Father, you're able to break through. We pray for that. Father, we pray for breakthrough even in our government, in the highest level of government, the president and his administration. We pray uh, that they would be born again, that they would be brought from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of of light into the kingdom of your dear son, whom you love. Father, help us to remember that your truth marches on. Help us to remember that your kingdom is an unshakable kingdom 
that lasts forever. Oh, I rejoice in that, Lord. I thank you that you are King of kings and Lord of lords and, yes, President of presidents. And no one can ever remove you from your throne. Lord, help us to seek the quiet place in your presence. He that dwelleth in the secret place shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my God in whom I will trust. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Dear friend, if you are blessed by the Daily in Christ podcast, particularly with this series that we're in right now called God's Prescription When Life Isn't Fair, please let other people know about it. That's the best way to spread the word. Let them know that there is Bible truth that is shared every single time we bring you the Daily in Christ podcast. And you can find out more about our ministry by visiting our ministry website at dailyinchrist.org. Dailyinchrist.org. And remember, it is the Daily in Christ podcast. And as a podcast, it is available through all of the major podcasting platforms. It's found in the Google Play Store, in the Apple Podcast app, through Stitcher, and uh, many others as well. Look up the Daily in Christ podcast. This is Mark Van Oost reminding you once again of what it says in Psalm 34, verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh,